This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. Welcome to your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. My name is Anna Ellis. I am the president and CEO of New Memphis, a local nonprofit working to make Memphis magnetic. And I am joined, as always, almost as always, with <laughs> my coworker and friend, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. I feel like, you know, we're we're sliding into the end of the year with we're rapid. Uh, it's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> um, but I always love our time together in the studio once a week because it lets me, like, slow down look up from <laughs> all of the stuff that I'm doing and uh, listen to what other folks are doing. Mm-hmm. And today is such a great example of some boss ladies doing amazing work. So we've got an episode today with some powerful ladies um, who are getting things done in Memphis. Um, first up, Christy, who do we have? I, mean, I, I don't want to steal your thunder yeah, because creative no. entrepreneur to me screams Christy Mullen. <laughs> so tell us about our first guest. Yeah, so you said it perfectly, creative entrepreneurs and sisters. Like, I can't leave that out. Uh, Kristen and Lindsay Archer will be here to chat about Arched Memphis, which is the company they started and where they kind of use original photography and design to create homemade decor and wood, but not just create it. Like, they are doing this to empower women and also celebrate cities, which are all things we can get behind here at New Memphis. Social (laughs) entrepreneurism. Thank you so much. Yes. And then a little later, like Anna said, it'll be a jam-packed episode of Powerful Women. So a little later, we're going to be joined by Jenny Colt now, who is a wonderful friend and graduate of New Memphis, but is also the executive director of the Campbell Foundation, which we have learned that it will now be the Campbell Clinic Foundation. So like, guys, just things you're going to learn on this episode. So, you know, what they do is they're a scientific and charitable trust that continues the advancement of scientific research and orthopedic medicine. So I'm just saying, we've got a full gamut today. Jenny of is a delight. <laughs> Jenny is a really like one of the best New Memphis yes. advocates. She is, yes, a graduate. She has served on our board, so she's helped lead us forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just always in different corners of the community doing really interesting work. Um, I'm so glad that she's landed at the Campbell Clinic Foundation. Sounds like fascinating stuff, and I'm excited to learn more. So yeah. let's let's get to it. Let's get it. <laughs> Level up with New Memphis Fellows. Established in your career, but feel something's missing? Let New Memphis complete the puzzle. The New Memphis Fellows program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders. Designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and impacting our community. New Memphis Fellows will amplify your power with connections, skills, and experiences. Level up on your career and apply for Fellows today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. Welcome, Kristen and Lindsay. Woo! Round of applause. Um, So let's start off. There are two of you in the studio today. Introduce yourselves to us in the audience and tell them a little bit about the work you do. Like, what is your role? All right. I'm Kristen Archer, one half of Arched, and I am the photographer and videographer of the group. And we, my sister Lindsay and I, we started Arched back in around 2014, and it was, at the beginning, it was a, we had two separate businesses, so I had the photography side, and then Lindsay had designing and painting, and I'll let her go into her. <laughs> and I am Lindsay Archer. I am the younger sister by about 22 months, 
and my background is in graphic design. So we create art that uses some photography, some design, and then some we kind of mix it together. I love that so much. I'm going to obviously get very nerdy on this episode as a fellow graphic designer. So you guys started this company together. Your sisters, You, where did this idea come from? Where did, Where's the spark? So actually, ARCH stands for, we forgot this for about five years, and then we were, when we found an <laughs> old business card, we were like, oh my gosh, this is why we named it ARCH. So it, stand, it originally stood for Archer's Recycled Creative Home Decor. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we would, and a play off of our last name, Archer. Right. But we would drive around. We've lived in Midtown together for about 10 years in a few different houses. But we would drive a lot around in what we called curb shop on, like, Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And we would go get reclaimed wood that because there's obviously a lot of houses being flipped in the area all the time. And so we would, we started out recycling the wood and just making pieces that were really unique because we didn't have standard sizing then. Some um, had very angled edges. <laughs> some were had nail holes all throughout yeah. it. But yes, yeah, so that's what our those were our first materials was wood from curbs in Midtown. Really? So, how, I, as a photographer and a graphic designer, like how did you decide? I mean, you were going to work with a tangible. Uh, that sounds hard. Is what I'm getting at. We curse ourselves a little bit every time we do an event that we picked the absolute heaviest materials. Uh-huh. So yeah. dragging those out for every event is intense. Um, but photography and graphic design and deciding to transfer it to wood and marble came from Kristen's obsession with planes. Um, she saw a Pinterest I, or Pinterest pin with this plane that had been transferred to like multiple planks of wood, and she thought it was so cool. And so we just said, we're going to try it. And uh, we the first pieces we did did not turn out, I don't think, the best. <laughs> um, we even have, we have some friends that have some old pieces of ours in their house, and every time we see them, we're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me upgrade that real quick. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Give me that back. <laughs> but over the years, we got much better at transferring. We kind of tweaked the process to better fit our art. We started painting the surface of the wood to make colors more vibrant. And then it just naturally progressed into, I don't know, I think marble we found. There was an old store that had um, marble tiles really cheap that we got. It was one of the, I think it was off Summer Avenue. Also very light. Yes, also very (laughs) light. (laughs) Every time we go by wood and marble, yes, it's it's very heavy. (laughs) So let's take a step back so I can better understand what types of products, products do you make? How do you sell them? Where do you sell them for anybody listening that is not familiar with what we're describing? This is the problem yeah. with radio as a format. Like, <laughs> So we do image transfers, which is, like Lindsay was saying, the plane that we saw was transferred. And this artist had this whole blog about how she did it. And so we, you know, took some of those ideas and then, you know, adapted them to make what we wanted. But so that was the first we started transfer Im- transferring images. So that process is what makes each of the pieces unique because we're hand transferring them we're printing them out backwards putting them face down letting them dry and then scrubbing the paper off and so when you scrub the paper off that's what gives each piece a unique kind of texture and Mm -hmm. there's like some parts that naturally don't apply kind of like if you stamped a paper bag if you stamped five bags each one would be slightly different Mm -hmm. just because of the way that you're uh, making it and so we the city photography the city designs and then the feminist designs. Those are the two categories that we have are um, the feminist collection, which has women that inspire us. And then the city collection, 
we developed to um, we started with Memphis, obviously, because this is where we're from, <laughs> and we love Memphis. Um, and then as I traveled and we took different pictures, different places, we incorporated those with some of Lindsay's designs and then just built cities out from there, um, some based on requests from other people. And, yeah. Very cool. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you guys are really in your work empowering women and celebrating cities, but specifically our city. And I know you guys have a special project that you were working on for Small Business Saturday. Talk to me a little bit about how that went. How's it going? So my background, this is Kristen, is in video production. I did that for about 15 years before we went into arts. And a big part of that was telling women's stories. Um, I would go around the country for the organization that I worked for and capture women's stories from 18 to 100 years old. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I really loved doing. And so I wanted to carry that into Arched. And so we had been talking about this for a while, um, the different, how we could do a project that just we wanted to do just for fun, if you will. Right. Um, that was aside from client work and aside from the art making and so we decided to center it around Small Business Saturday. And we picked, we wanted women duos like us that were um, made a specific product. And so that we could form it or shape it into um, Small Business Saturday and celebrate the products and shopping small. And so, yeah, we just found other women duos here in Memphis and they all are making products. And so we captured each of their stories and then shared them throughout the month of November. I love that so much. I'm like trying to think in my head. I'm like, okay, so Terracotta Memphis is one of those duos. If you guys have not, who are a few more that you guys are working with? Um, we had City Tasting Box. We had um, We Tight Knit, which is chain stitch embroidery. Okay. And then we had Prima's Bakery and Boutique. <gasps> See? Which is two cousins. So fantastic. So you guys are a dynamic women-led duo right here, but you're also, you referenced it earlier, your sisters. So t I, I feel like I have to ask, you know, what is it like to have to work with your relative or and let alone your work sister? Or to your relative. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, it's like, I feel like it has to be the best and also the worst is how I feel <laughs> looking at That's out because you have it. a brother. Yes, exactly. We also have a brother and we do not work with him. Yeah. See? We still love him. <laughs> Little brothers are just a, you know, territory all their own. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, we get that question a lot is every time people yeah. find out that we're sisters is how could you possibly work together? We also live together, so we are literally around each other 24-7. Um, I don't know. It just it works. It clicks. It works for us. We, we've worked a few places before. We founded Arch together, so we kind of knew that we could work well together. And we have very much strengths that complement each other. So yeah. I'm more detail-oriented. Kristen is more big, bigger picture. And so those kind of balance each other out. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I'll get a little bit too in the weeds. Sometimes she won't focus on the details. <laughs> so it just, we, our strengths yeah. just work together. So, and of course we, we fight, we argue, we're sisters <laughs> and business partners. Right. But at the end of the day, we also very much trust each other. We have a very, we respect each other. We trust each other. And so when we give feedback, it's just, we know the other person is coming from a place of trust, a place of love. 
and it just worked. I think that gives y'all that advantage being sisters, yeah. you know, like I, I do think we focus, like I was joking on the front end, like, you know, there is that dynamic, but it does, you have this inherent trust, you've grown up with each other, so you just have that ability to fully let the other person like go and thrive. So if I had a pause button, this is where I'd use it. I have sisters <laughs> and I, I, I moved in with my younger sister right after college. We lived together for like five or six years and I was like, this is the best roommate because you can be completely honest. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. You don't have that like quiet, lingering hate for the person when you're like, why did you leave the dishes in the sink? You're like, why did you leave the dishes in the sink? And you like can like actually, I don't know. So I could totally see in a work environment being like, you know, radical candor with your yeah. siblings. So. Yes, right, much. and it lends itself to, like, creating ideas and not being afraid. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes when you're in a work or corporate-type environment, you may not be willing to say specific ideas because mm -hmm. you're afraid of what's right. up. But, like, there's literally nothing either of us <laughs> could tell the other one and if the other one doesn't like it we'll be like man we don't like it or we'll get really excited which happens most of the time yeah y'all are kicking that creative process up a notch about like right. here's all the ideas right. like <laughs> now we have to narrow them down so did y'all grow up in a creative household is it just coincidental that you guys both became artists of, in different paths or and our brother yeah. is also an artist someone he's an architect so oh, wow. we're all in three okay. in very creative fields whereas our parents were not um, our mom's a teacher so i feel like that she would while that's not necessarily, I guess, a creative, you wouldn't categorize it as a creativity. She always was getting, like, all of our birthday parties, you mm -hmm. know, we were painting on butcher paper in the yard <laughs> and doing, like, fun, creative things. Yeah. So I, I feel like Yeah, that, very hands-on activities and always coming up with new things to do. Yeah, she just encouraged that, like, oh, fire yes. of creativity. Yeah. She didn't, like, quell it. She was like, no, go for it. Prosper. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll let yeah. you do what you need to do. Absolutely. So where are some of y'all's products available for people to purchase or look at? Do you have a website? Yes, we can. We sell online at getarched.com, and that's G-E-T-A-R-C-H-D.com. And we are actually in about 70-ish stores across the country wow. and, and Canada. We wow. have two shops now in Canada that wholesale. We sell wholesale. Um, but in Memphis locally, we have Stock and Bell downtown and both on in Overton Square, Prima's Bakery and Boutique. We have a few things. Um, Falling into Place, Novel. Cooper Young Gallery. Cooper Young Gift Gallery. Um, I think that might be all for Yeah, local. that's all for Memphis. For Memphis. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot, guys. How <laughs> did you how did you get well, I want I want to talk a little bit just about yes. I feel like you guys are like um what I would call like a double leap of faith because you're both decided to be creatives as a profession, which is kind of a leap of faith <laughs> even if you're not then doing the double leap, which is owning your own business and being entrepreneurs. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that journey. How again, you talked about the sort of concept in terms of what you're creating but how do you then build a business around that monetize it and i'm fascinated to hear that you're in um you're now international yeah. um so like how how did tell us about that journey and sort of like you mentioned you're more of the detail person you're the big picture i mm -hmm. can see how those things would have to work in beautiful concert to that sounds like you guys have been very successful yeah so we have worked actually before arch we worked at a photography studio downtown together. And that was when I first moved back from, I went to school at MTSU in Nashville, outside of Nashville, and moved back from there about four or five years after college. And that's when we moved in together. Um, and we actually moved back for a job at the photography studio. And then Lindsay, got, I don't know how, I don't remember how you got that job too. But <laughs> anyway, we both ended up there. So that was the first time that we worked she was designing the things that I was photographing with the mm -hmm. um, owner of the business. 
And then we went our separate ways, and then we started working together again at Capital Delta Sorority headquarters out um, in Germantown. And from there, we – hold on, i got to start over. You're fine. <laughs> I lost track of what I was saying. <clears throat> what was the question again? You are talking about <laughs> – <laughs> I was, like, going to go to the well, thing, it was, and then it I was a combo. I was, I was like, tell me your life story was basically the question. I, I'm just curious – how you took this from okay we've got this idea we're both artists taking that and then again less of the creative and more of the business side how do you get yeah, into yeah. 70 different stores across the country so we had a lot of support at our old job um they knew that our goal was to branch out and do a small business on our own um the first actual place that we ever sold our art was at cooper young festival i think it was like 2013 13 or something um, and so that was the first, all right, this is like, we're going to try to do this. And it was successful. And so like each year, or it was successful for us at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we had a friend's um, mom who owned a store that was at that time in Cooper Young. And so she, that was the first store that started carrying our products. And then Sock and Bell downtown, actually, I was friends with the owner's sister growing up. So she was the second store. And that store, I feel like, kind of got her name out in Memphis mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, and then we just started going from there. I would say the big, the biggest leap that got us outside of Memphis into more stores was when we went to Atlanta's Mart in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Right, we went in yeah. January. And so that um, connected us with buyers across the country. And then from there, we started selling online um, wholesale websites. And it's just kind of. And when we first started, like she said, we started with Cooper Young, the biggest festival in Memphis. <laughs> we just dove right in. And for the first couple of years, that's all we did. We just did, we had an Etsy shop, which mm -hmm. is a great way to start out because it's very, it's very easy as a person who doesn't really know anything about e-commerce just to kind of get their feet wet in that. Um, so we had an Etsy shop in Cooper Young, but that's kind of all we did. It was definitely just a side hustle. And then after a few years, we started tacking on a few more events each year. Um, <clears throat> but there's only so much you can do when you work full time and have yeah. this. Mm -hmm. So after a few years, we, I mean, we were doing really well. And so I think that at that point we decided this could actually be a viable business venture if we put a little bit more focus on it. Um, <clears throat> so we started branching out and doing those bigger events and planning for, all right, if we have two years down the road, we're going to quit our jobs and this is going to be what we do full time. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of set that date and made that public knowledge and kind of said that out loud and mm -hmm. then from there we just slowly planned and said save back a little bit of money and then took that leap in August 2019 and said we're gonna do this full time and then we did our first like she mentioned at America's Mart in Atlanta which is a big wholesale where yeah. kind of shops from around the country come and we did that right before the pandemic hit and that was our last event I think before the pandemic hit mm -hmm. and that we met a bunch of shops and from there it we went from having our stuff in, I think, two states to, like, 16 states just from wow. going and showing in Atlanta. And that kind of really just jumped off from there. I think that's so awesome and interesting because you guys are having such success, I feel like, and you're growing. So something I'm always very interested in as a not entrepreneur at all, like do not have that spirit about me because it does take a certain spirit, I feel like, to be successful at that. How do you guys kind of benchmark your success or what does success look like to you guys with your business model? I feel like this past, so we hired our first time, first full-time employee in August. And to me, that was a huge 
benchmark because now we have more time to not have to work as much. Yeah. <laughs> and, a little more balance. That yeah. is definitely success. Right. And I think like, that's success. I mean, yeah. nobody wants to work all the time, every yes. weekend, every, and we weren't necessarily working seven days a week, but this has allowed us to, you know, we can quit at like six o'clock or, yeah. you know, and it's having someone and she's amazing. She, Meredith worked with us for, she's graduated from Memphis College of Art and she worked with us for about two years afterwards. Um, until we were able to bring her on full time. And so to me, that's a huge um, benchmark. I think also the giving back aspect. Um, I remember going to a creative talk somewhere, I can't remember where it was, and the speaker was talking about how you have to get, in order to give back, you have to get yourself to a specific point where you can give back, like you can't just, it's hard to just go into like a business and say, all right, from day one, I'm just gonna give all this money back right. like you have to get yourself to a point where you can support yourself and then you have to have it to give it back right, originally, like. <laughs> right. and so I think that's another I would say benchmark of success that we've been able to create that program where we give back five percent of our online sales to different organizations um we were doing it monthly now we're kind of doing organizations for a couple of months so gotcha so you guys said you launched in 2019 full-time full-time and then I know you've mentioned like you went to Atlanta market right before the pandemic how did the pandemic coming on in 2020 kind of affect y'all's work as creatives well I would say a large portion of not just our income but the brand building and brand exposure was through events in-person events Mm -hmm. because showing at those not just in Memphis but we did some and we did one in Austin we did just a couple we were starting to branch out and do events from around the country just to get our name out there and to expose us to a new audience. And with, the, obviously, the pandemic, all of those events got canceled right. for the remainder of the year. I mean, because those events are planned out months in advance. And so we were looking at our income where I think 50% or 40 or 50% was from events. And then to having zero events for the upcoming year, we just had to pivot. We, um, we were in the process of building our own website and we had those kind of ideas sketched out. And then we decided, all right, we're going to move this timeline up. Right. We're going to get that launched as soon as possible. And we launched that in May, right after the pandemic. And so we just shifted our focus to online sales, online marketing, social media, mm-hmm. and going where people were on their phones, on their computers, online shopping. And um, it, it worked. <laughs> and I would say people, there was, I saw, we saw a big uptick in support during the pandemic like I feel like there was so much messaging from and we saw it with our peers too. support small support small which it had always been there but it was almost like a a megaphone a, on it like right it amplified and so it, it we grew more than I don't even I feel like we grew more than if there wasn't a pandemic <laughs> and that may be a stupid thing to say but it no I, it I, was I, like a it was a big growth period yeah that's exciting I mean we yeah never feel bad for growing during a pandemic I think that <laughs> Somebody needed to be successful. Um, well, I think shifting to your point, right? Like shifting, people were more glued to their phones because everyone was on the news or you couldn't go out and actively shop. So that was a thing people were doing. Online shopping hit a big boom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of y'all's work, you had to reconfigure some things. Like you said, everyone's favorite word, pivot, um, some <laughs> models and things. But it worked out in y'all's favor. And to Anna's point, like, I think that is something to be proud of. Like, you guys did that in spite of the pandemic happening. Right. So that takes a lot of courage. And for an entrepreneur, like, again, all praises because I could never. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so speaking of the, I mean, getting back to the Memphis of it all um, and what we're always celebrating here on the show is why you're choosing to be here. Um, I, I, obviously, you guys are choosing to give back in Memphis, which we love to see. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur in Memphis. Were there specific support networks that you utilized? Um, are you know, ha- are there things that you think that our entrepreneurial scene needs that you'd like to see grow as, as new entrepreneurs come online in the next few years? Yeah, I would say we've had a really great support system from the beginning of growing here in Memphis. Um, obviously, the festival Cooper Young that we started at. And then the shops that were willing to carry our art, and that was from personal connections at first. And then I think once people have a positive experience with you, then they're willing to share that positive experience with other stores or other colleagues. Yeah, that word of mouth to just kind of travel. Right. And so I think focusing on building relationships, and then those relationships will help you get to other places. Um, We've also the creative community and the peers that we have gotten to know um, through creative networking events. That's been a game changer to have other people to um, just work through issues with. We've traveled to Austin with one of our good artist friends, Whitney, and that was one of the best trips. We all, her um, assistant Becca went and then Lindsay and I, and that was just to be that far away from home at an event that neither of us had been to. And to have a shared experience with somebody like made it more comfortable to be there mm-hmm. <laughs> in an unknown setting with a friend. Um, and just having other creative entrepreneurs that you mm-hmm. get to know, not only from doing those events, but from doing creative networking and putting yourself out there is you have that. It's building your own support system of people, like-minded people, like-minded creatives and other small business owners. So you have people to bounce ideas off of. You have people to, you know, give advice and so many people are willing to give such great advice mm-hmm. in this community that you just you have to ask and that's and it's been very very helpful we had a guy um that i met through a board position a few years back that helped us with a business plan and i mean we did pay for it but it was a very very minimal mm-hmm. cost for the amount of time he spent walking us through every single aspect and it was just like a huge help to have someone there to help us map it out. And so, like Lizzie said, there's a huge amount of people here that are willing to help, but I think you just have to remember to ask for the help yeah. because most of the time people are not going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a key thing to always remember about Memphis, right, is that, you know, we always know that Memphis has its issues. I think everyone here knows that. Mm-hmm. But people here want to help. And it's like finding those networks of creatives, of business partners, of like-minded people to help you solve problems that you don't have all the answers for necessarily. Right. And something like I always like to reference is like, you know, in creatives, but also elsewhere, like the process of getting somewhere is usually the inspiration and the stuff you kind of find along the way. So I want to hear a little bit about that before we have to let y'all go. Like where, as creatives, as a photographer, as a graphic designer, where do you find your biggest inspiration to create? Just a small little question. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh my that's gosh, the art. That's know. the art historian in me being like, come on. Well, <laughs> for design, I think we. Uh, my first illustration that I did that we sold for Arch was Ruth Bader Ginsburg's collars. Mm-hmm. And her, I, I did a trio of them, and then we made art with that, and we sent samples of that to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's office back when she was still alive. And within about a week, she wrote a hand 
handwritten note back to us. Oh, and we just actually humble brag right, right there. <laughs> you just dropped <laughs> on me in the middle of the interview. Me and RPG are pen pals. No big deal. But we. So we had gone on a short family vacation right before we started full-time, and we came back, and the first day of our being full-time arch, we got that letter in the mail. Wow. And just knowing that, I mean, it was handwritten to us that was personal, and of course we have it framed in our office, but... As you should. (laughs) Seeing someone that is obviously very busy take the time to send a message back to someone that said how much that she meant to us, and that kind of inspired me to create more illustrations of other women and other mm-hmm. feminist icons and people that share our values and that mean a lot to us and that inspired our whole collection which we now have I think 10 illustrations of of dif- different women that hmm. we see as icons how are you going to beat that ma'am <laughs> well I just like taking photos <laughs> Kristen That's... likes chasing sunsets no I do and it sounds so cheesy but it's the Mississippi bad. River and that bridge mm, y'all just love it every when the a good fire sunset mm-hmm. that and I've gotten better I joked that I needed to take like a meteorology class so I could predict sunset <laughs> but I have gotten better and I can tell about an hour or two before I'm like this is going to be a good sunset it's going to be like a fire sunset yeah. with the sky but yeah I like being I would say being outdoors and photographing skylines at sunset and right after and night photography that's just something that I really love to do when I travel I love to figure out the places that are going to have the most the best vantage points of the cities and then we have to go and make sure that we have a day for sunrise and sunset mm-hmm. <laughs> where we go I love that. and yeah that's something that I just really love to do I think that's very interesting because you both do very different things but they both like kind of evoke emotion in very succinct and different ways like human like people I know will look at an illustration and not think that it does much. I'm like, no, you think a lot when you see that illustration, whatever mm-hmm. it represents to you as a person. Same with a picture of a sunset. And I know why you said, like, it's cheesy because people do associate <laughs> heavy cheese with right. <laughs> sunrise and sunset. <laughs> but it is one of those things, right, where when you see that and experience that as a human being, you have this like significant experience that is unique to you. Mm-hmm. And that is my favorite thing about art. And then I promise I will stop rambling about it because I could do this forever. <laughs> but like it is this thing inherently unique to you. And I think that really speaks to you guys' business model as well. This thing that you started, other duos obviously exist, other, but like you guys have come together and started this thing, this unique thing to you. And you are giving people the same experience that you get from your art. So I think yes, that's a very lovely beautiful. thing. Anna, go away. Take <laughs> away. I'm also inspired. No, thank you guys so much. We're so thrilled again that you are you've chosen Memphis as your home base, and we're so proud of the success that you've had, and wish you all the great success going forward. Thanks for yeah. coming in today. Thank oh, you. before we go, where can people? Are you guys on social? Where yes. can yes. people find you? We are get arched on everything. So G E T A R C H D. Arched was taken on one thing, yes. so we just made it consistent. Look at that Love brand it. continuity. Love <laughs> it. And on that note, we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen and Lindsay. In Memphis, creativity is all around us. From public art to historic museums, our city has it all. And you're sure to find inspiration around every corner. There's a lot to celebrate about our city. Visit newmemphis.org to turn your love of Memphis into action. All right. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. You're just a delightful person, and I can't wait for everyone to hear about all the work you're doing. But before we hop into you and the work you do with Campbell Clinic, I want you to take a minute to introduce yourself to the listener and tell them a little bit about 
who you are. Sure. Well, I'd be happy to. Well, first and foremost, um, 2021 marks the 15th anniversary of my fellow's graduation. So I was in the third class, you know, best class ever. But (laughs) um, I just have to say, and after having served on the board of trustees for 11 years, that I just love New Memphis, really uh, honored to be here today and eager to talk about what we're doing at the Campbell Clinic Foundation. New Memphis loves you right back. (laughs) Well, thank you. So I've been in in Memphis for more than 20 years. Um, Have had various stints in different organizations, the Memphis Grizzlies, AutoZone, Church Health, and just in the last year, the Campbell Clinic Foundation. Um, But, you know, I think one of the fun and interesting threads of all my experience is that I really am committed to community engagement. And that's probably why I really um, got so much out of my New Memphis Fellows experience and the relationships that I formed over the years. But I really am committed to bringing people together, to finding ways to get people to plug in and find their passion, um, particularly in the nonprofit sector, and really helping us further our community through research, through innovation, through education, and just active civic engagement. So, Okay, that's the episode, guys. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> no, but like, I, I'm serious. Like, You are such an amazing representation of what a Memphian can be and should be, like someone who gives back and feeds into their community. And so I have some more questions about that a little later, but okay. I know you are here as the executive director of the Campbell Foundation. Talk to me a little bit about it. So what is it? Okay. For those listening. Well, first, I just want to preface by talking about, I'm going to make a lot of references to We love some table setting. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I have to remind myself, in fact, on my drive here, I thought a lot of people have no idea what mm-hmm. orthopedic surgery is <laughs> or what they would ever do at an orthopedic. Those people are me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, anytime so, I uh, feel like a hitch in my hip or like a, <laughs> right. a little pain in my knee I think of the Campbell Clinic and I'm yeah. like, we have this amazing resource in our, in our town so yeah I mean I, I think most people have probably heard of the Campbell Clinic um yes. but as, as Christy said perhaps fewer people have heard of the Campbell Clinic's foundation so right. talk about what what those distinctions are and how they're sure. in relationship okay so basically I mean orthopedic surgery is really the you know the pre- and orthopedics in general is the commitment or the um, engagement in addressing bone and joint conditions and so there's a variety of issues it might be that you fall off your bike or you have a um, ex- pre-existing condition um, and from birth to death there's all sorts of different needs that can be met by your orthopedic clinic um, so the Campbell Clinic or Campbell Clinic Orthopedics has an educational and charitable arm uh, called the Campbell Foundation. And actually, we recently bra- rebranded, and we are officially the Campbell Clinic Foundation. Oh, so, fancy. Huge deviation. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> but um, really, I think that was intended to further um, align mm-hmm. with a very well-known brand, a very well-known operation, and the incredible care and experience that our patients, our community experiences when they seek out um, the Campbell Clinic for their orthopedic needs. Mm -hmm. Um, The Campbell Foundation has been in existence um, literally for 75 years. This month marks our 75th anniversary. 
and we exist. Congratulations. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's like, I know you've only been there for a year, but still. But that's right. <laughs> but really, I mean, we exist to move lives. Uh, we believe that mobility is the foundation of health and of well-being. And if we can't move, if we can't do the things that we love, there's always going to be some setback. There's going to be challenges both in our personal lives and our professional lives. And so we really work not only by delivering um, direct patient care, through our partnerships, through our practice, but also in training those individuals who will care for you, your families, and communities around the world. Okay, so question. Yes. Um, if, so you guys have this foundation arm. Who does the foundation benefit? Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, who does it help? Well, I, honestly, I'd like to believe the foundation really benefits everyone. Okay. Um, but it really breaks into three specific pillars that are the ways that we more directly impact individuals. Okay. So would you like me to break those down? I would love for you okay. to break those okay. down. <laughs> so the first one is surgeon education. So that seems we, very important. And really this is <laughs> You the want them to know what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean really what's pretty extraordinary is that the very first orthopedic surgery residency in the country was started by Willis Campbell. Um, for nearly a hundred years we have been training orthopedists at home and around the world who have been providing care of all sorts and I mean countries elsewhere but this is really in order for them to not only get the basic training but also for us to continue to push the envelope to make sure that our patients outcomes are the best possible okay um and part of that is our residency um we have 40 orthopedic surgery residents at present we have six fellows so when we're talking about talent development mm -hmm. talent management i mean we've got this campbell clinic foundation machine going on over um and really serving all of our local health care systems um, but providing that care not only while they're in training but also um, throughout their careers and with that is really the leadership and the um the commitment to providing excellence and always seeking new answers for these puzzling questions around um, bone and joint conditions. The second part of our, um, our second pillar is research. Um, we run, at any given time, upwards of 150 clinical studies. And so we're looking at techniques and treatments, pain management, you know, and really how can we make sure that our patients leave doing what they want to do. Um, and we have an extraordinary team. We work with all of our physicians, but really have research going on in partnership with the centers around the world, clinical trials and such, but really engaging all of our orthopedic surgery subspecialties. And then the third pillar is community health care. And really at the foundation of that is a desire to make orthopedic care, excellent orthopedic care accessible to everyone. Um, for decades, we have provided all the orthopedic care for Love Honor and for Regional One. This is where we directly serve the uninsured and underinsured and making sure that they can have the same level of care as those of us who are blessed to have insurance and be able to go to one of the clinics when we feel bad. But we also have a variety of local clinics where, in fact, one um, that we do each year um, is an outreach program where all of our foot specialists provide foot care to the homeless community through Memphis Union Mission. But we work through sports teams, we work through youth organizations, we right. work through lots of other educational partners. But at the end of the day, it's really making sure that we are putting that care within reach for everyone here and then through our extended network around the world. 
that's so impressive. I'm very happy you broke that down for me because I think that's something people find, and by people I also am talking about myself, find very interesting is foundations do all this work, right? But we don't necessarily always get a full encompassing view of that work, I feel. Mm -hmm. And you guys are really touching each segment of the population, like not only the community, but you're investing back into the surgeons and the doctors and the research that is then going to fuel into the community as well. Absolutely. So I think that's super powerful. Um, So we know that that's who you serve. Mm -hmm. Talk a little about how the foundation works. Like, how do you guys get the funds to do the work you do? Sure. So the the foundation is um, comprised of um, these, you know, kind of distinct groups where we focus on research, education, publications, and editorial, and our community outreach and development. Um, we have a tremendous amount of support, um, starting with our the orthopedic surgeons at Campbell Clinic, um, and they have been extremely generous and and committed to our mission um, from the very beginning. But beyond that, we have industry partners, we've got local community and corporate partners. Um, We have grateful patients, individuals who have been served um, and are doing what they love because of the care that they receive, or perhaps because of um, an educational program that we offered um, that really brought new ideas and and new practices to them. Um, And then we also just have a lot of people in the community who, you know, once they learn about us, they want to get involved. So it's really broad-based. But, you know, we are continuing, in fact, next year, a really big push is how can we, you know, make the Campbell Clinic Foundation just a, a much better known and understood entity um, in the spirit of just being even a better partner to our our local um, region. Yeah, and it's such a, um, I, I don't want to say surprise, but to have something like this based here in Memphis and to mm-hmm. have, you know, really world-class healthcare and, you know, medical scientists and research deciding to be here in our community to, to run this work. So tell me a little bit about the relationship between both Campbell Clinic and the Campbell Clinic Foundation and mm-hmm. Memphis. I know you mentioned that y- the discipline really started with the original Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, and there's always been this spirit of collaboration mm-hmm. and innovation. I mean, there, the number of firsts at the Campbell Clinic are pretty extraordinary. I mean, like, I mean, besides Dr. Campbell starting the first residency, he also was the founder of the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons, which now has members around the world and has, I mean, you know, their annual meetings draw, you know, 30,000 people. Um, But it's just a casual (laughs) grouping of people. Let's let's catch up. But I mean, the point being, and I think this is true for any industry, but, you know, in order to get better, you have to share ideas. You have to collaborate. You have to have, you know, sort of critics in the field to question so that you can do it better the next time. And what I see, and this really it starts, I mean, probably in the OR, and it mm-hmm. extends into the clinic, it extends to the foundation, and really the way that we train and develop future surgeons is that, you know, you have to be surrounded by not only others who are striving for excellence, but you also have to be in a place where you have access and an expectation that you're accessing the latest information about how to do things well. And so I think it's that no one's ever stagnant. No Mm. one ever stays in place. And so that culture and that commitment, I mean, 
is really extend throughout the organization. So, and you know, one of the other things that I've observed is that, you know, we really want to develop and, and be part of, you know, being an excellent surgeon is first and foremost the priority. But we also want you to be a leader. We want you to inspire teams. We want you to, you know, work well with allied health professionals and the physical therapists and so forth. So I think that the reason why things work and why we oftentimes are, you know, kind of on the frontier of doing things is because we've tested it, we've tried it, it works, our patients are happy, and then those practices begin to extend out, um, you know, through mm -hmm. um, throughout the field. So for the 75th anniversary, <laughs> major mm -hmm. milestone, how are you guys marking the occasion? I know you mentioned you want to expand the sort of awareness of the foundation, but That's tell right. me, are you guys having any, is it communications, is it events, <laughs> or a combination of all of those? It's a combination of all of those, actually, Anna. Thanks for asking about that. I mean, we really, we've done a lot of work over the last year to redefine our message, to get our, you know, branding um, cleaned up and again, like create that connection with the Campbell Clinic. Um, we've done a lot of outreach to our alumni base to really mm -hmm. kind of rally their support for what we're doing and also where we're going. Um, and so, you know, we really look at it as like a broader communications campaign. Um, that's why I was especially excited to yes, be here. Like, <laughs> speaking of. <laughs> but I think it's also teeing up for what is going to happen in 2022. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and one of the things, I, especially when we talk about like talent, talent development, you know, there's lots of ways that we plug in and one of the areas that I'm excited about is our research scholars program. Um, this program was started a couple years ago but we offer a gap year program to young people who want to pursue careers in healthcare. So after they graduate college they want to spend a year in you know in-depth um, clinical research. They can work side by side with our physicians, our research team. They may be working through Baptist or Labonte or Methodist or Regional One, but really working on hands-on projects so that not only they, do they understand the research side, but they're also really building their expertise and experience so that they're even a stronger candidate for professional programs like medical school, like physician assistant or um, other programs. And so, you know, we really, we're, we've added um, new positions. We'll be hiring in the research scholar um, roles this spring. And so we're really excited to bring in young talent, but also inspire more and more people to enter this field of orthopedics. That's amazing. And you are this community collaborator and innovator, and you can hear the delight in your voice when you talk about <laughs> the work you're doing now. So I just kind of want to hear from you, you know, why do you believe it's so important not only to invest back in things like the Campbell Clinic, but across our community overall? What do yeah. you see as the importance of doing that? You know, it's sometimes it's not until you're in the job or in the work that you realize what the need is. Yes. So I'll give you a perfect example that just happened yesterday. I'm at my son's soccer game. We're in Lexington, Tennessee. I'm talking to a couple of the parents on the sidelines. And so literally, and, and you know, anytime someone's going to talk about their aches and pains, <laughs> my ears will perk up. Yeah. I mean, every single time. So while one parent is telling me about her recent successful hip surgery, now mind you, this is somebody in the, their 40s. You don't think about hip replacement surgery for someone in their 40s, but it happens more often than you would expect. Then another parent starts chiming in and says, she's about to have bunion surgery on Wednesday. 
And then we're talking about one of the kids who's out running on the field who is back from a knee injury. Hips, feet, knees, your back, your hands, your ankles, all of it, your neck, all of those needs are met by an orthopedic surgeon and by an orthopedic clinic. And the truth is, is that in our lifetimes, all of us are gonna need that care. No matter how active, no matter how careful we are, our bodies just break down. And so they might break down because, you know, overuse, it might break down because of a, you know, congenital condition or something else, or it's just stress, right? And so to me, I was like, in my situation, <laughs> I'm like, use your error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, how many times do we get out of a, a long car ride and we're just stiff? So to me, I think we play a pivotal role in health and well-being. Hmm. And when we're hurt, when we're living in pain, you know, we, it sucks. You know, we really, and, you know, depending on the degree of pain or how long it lasts, it can really take a toll on our lives, our well-being, but that of the people around us. Mm -hmm. So to me, I just think that we play a pivotal role in really not only making sure that people can live well, but also that they're able to move and do the things that they enjoy so they can stay at work, so they can invest in the community, so that they can um, take care of themselves and their families. So I'm just excited about that. And quite frankly, having only been here a year, I think we're just starting to figure out how can we plug in and how can we connect with more people right. throughout so that they too are better armed with more information, but also can plug in to share that information with others in their circle. I think that's beautiful. And I, I, you've, you've articulated it in such a, such a compelling way for even just... I don't know. I, I always, I think that there's a, a bit of a culture of like, oh, this aches a little bit, like suck it up, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh. especially as you age. Um, and I think it's absolutely true. Like you, you are, you're happiest when you are completely mobile yes. and you're not, you know, hindered by pain. So I love y'all's work. I'm so excited that you were here. Before we let you go, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show, we're in a recruiting season right now for mm -hmm. our next class of fellows, which will begin in 2022, as one of the OG fellows um, <laughs> from back in the day. Tell us how, if you were talking to somebody at the fellows program, you would tell them, yes, you should definitely do it. What did you get out of it? Mm -hmm. I really believe that the breadth and depth of relationships I've had in Memphis has enhanced my, me, my life, my, my, my professional experiences. Um, and certainly made Memphis feel like home. Mm. Um, I joined the fellows program at a point. I mean, I'd been very active in the community up to that point. I kind of thought that I knew most people. I kind of right. knew the way things worked. And I was so, I mean, really pleasantly surprised at how much there was to learn, how many people there were to meet. Mm. And, I mean, everything from the real deal government and understanding media and just the relationships I built. There are so many people that I met in my class whose paths I would have never crossed otherwise. And even just recently, um, one of my classmates is the um, director of a honors research program at one of the private schools in Memphis. And I think because of the, our original meeting, you know, 16 years ago, staying connected, one of her students actually did a research project, a high school student did a research project with the Campbell Clinic Foundation in the summer of 2021. And, you know, it was 
remarkably um, helpful to this young lady, but I think it also opened the Campbell Foundation to how many ways that we can engage young people in our work, mm. introduce them to these careers, introduce them to research, introduce them to community outreach, so that we can continue to develop the talent and inspire careers in this field that, again, all of us will will need um, to be robust, but also effectively trained in the years to come. No, that's perfect, and that's I, you know it's so hard sometimes for me to even. Um, quantify the impact of the fellows program because it is so much about those sort of spontaneous outcomes those yeah so i love hearing people's anecdotal stories about like well i i met this person in the fellows and they changed my career trajectory or i was inspired to run for office or to change careers or mm-hmm. even just to ha- making lifelong friends so that was an excellent pitch you can call them <laughs> christy will pay you after yeah the, uh, after the program no and this the whole like Two degrees of separation. Mm. I mean, and in, in this, I, I'd say this to young people all the time. Like, you, if you want to advance in a, your career, if you want to do something different, you don't know how to, need to know how to do it all already. But my relationships that I've created over time have really helped given me the, the confidence, mm-hmm. I guess, or just feeling like I have that support system to embark on something entirely new. Because I've got other people who do know what to do to sort of help navigate that road. Yeah. So those are, and, and there's that built-in trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that I'm going to reciprocate in some way at some point so that all of us are doing our work more effectively and, um, and really um, engaging um, people as, as practically as well as um, and timely as possible. It's no. very much like building blocks. Sorry. No, no. That's what I was thinking yeah. the whole time you were talking is, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I work for this. <laughs> but, you know, what I see in our programs, and you really just spoke to it so eloquently, is we're providing these building blocks through our classes. Like, yes, we're making connections. Yes, we're helping you build up your skill set for the workplace, and we're helping give you these, like, things, and you learn all these cool new things about yourself. But ultimately, it's just another building block to get you to where you want to be and to be the yeah. best leader you can be for our city. And you just, like, hit the nail on the head. So I'm like, do you want to come work over here, Jenny? <laughs> cool. Now, just, like, as a, a, what is it called, a contract, I can pay you to help me with my communications. Um, but sorry, Amy, I think I interrupted oh, no, no. you. I was like, we don't, we're fortunate that we don't have to pay Jenny, that she's yes. an authentic advocate. I know. And no matter what. Well, Jenny, we really appreciate you coming in. It's always so good to see you. You are Thank just you. Um, a real... Uh, bright spot in what is a lot of bright stars of of New Memphis alumni and past board members. Um, Before you go, tell those listening if they want to learn more about the Campbell Clinic Foundation, if they want to get involved, if they want to give, how can they find out more information? Great. Yes. So our new website is at campbell-foundation.org. Just campbell-foundation.org. We are on Instagram starting at this um, November 15th. We are um, updating our Facebook. We took a little hiatus during the rebrand. Love um, it. But social media. And then, um, you know, as the months go on, um, there'll be more and more opportunities made available through those different channels and then outreach into the community. So looking forward to that. And thank you very much for Yeah, asking. we're thrilled to have you. Please come back and, and give us an update. I will do. All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Thanks, you too. Bye. Your future is waiting. Did you know some of the largest companies in the nation and the world are located right here in Memphis? 
Learn what opportunities are available and how to get your foot in the door through Launch. Launch connects college students to networks and professional opportunities available right here in Memphis. The best part is it's all free. Let us help you get connected and land your dream job. Visit newmemphislaunch.org today. All right, guys, that is your episode for today. Are you feeling inspired? Because I feel like I learned a lot today, Anna. I learn a lot every time I talk to someone that yes. isn't myself. Yes. And I feel like I say the same thing every time I record. I'm like, this is so exciting. Like, I am so happy. And then I'm like, you say that every time. But it's true every time. I, I, I so, believe you. You know, like, I am amazed by what our city has to offer every day. And that's just something that I don't feel like you get everywhere. So Smart people doing smart things. Yes. So speaking of smart people doing smart things, you know what I think a smart thing is? To give back and donate to New Memphis. So, Anna Mullins, as president and CEO of our beloved organization, tell the people why it's so important they give back. Well, if, if you are listening right now, you are, I hope, benefiting from the work of New Memphis. If you've ever been through a New Memphis program, if you've ever attended a New Memphis event, our luncheons, our exposure on 901 Day, our, our TEDx conference, which we just had a few weeks back. If you have enjoyed New Memphis, I hope that you, as you would for any service that you continue to, to take advantage of, that you would give back. Um, New Memphis is a nonprofit. We are a 50C3 organization, and every year we have to ask our friends in the community to make sure that our work can continue for another year. Um, as many nonprofits do towards the end of the year, this is our giving season. It's a time that we try to remind folks that we do need your support. We need your help. A donation of $10 of $100, they all make a difference. Um, we have such important work that we want to continue. Um, I know we've talked with you about it on this radio program and podcast some, but just as a reminder, we run leadership programs for some of our youngest leaders from college students to young professionals all the way through our more senior leaders we work to connect uh through things like this podcast and other um other platforms to connect people to the things that are going well in our community to to help put a flashlight on the things that you could be supporting the things that you should be advocating for because we know that Memphis is an incredible place, but it also has a ton of potential that we want to see uh, tapped. Mm -hmm. So if you support our work, please go to newmemphis.org. There is a donate button. It's super easy uh, to make a secure donation. We so, so appreciate it. Mention the podcast. We, we'd love to know who's listening and yeah. if you feel inspired, if you've ever felt inspired by the Meanwhile in Memphis show. I hope that you'll make that known in the month of December as we close out our year. Yeah, guys, like she said, newmemphis.org. Leave us, when you make that donation, which you are, no donation too small or too large, as Anna Mullins likes to say. Always. Anna Mullins Ellis likes to say. I will get used to that okay. eventually. It's been three years. I know, right? <laughs> AME is what plays in my mm -hmm. head. Uh, but guys, newmemphis.org, when you make that donation, which again, I know you will because you're the loveliest person on the planet this morning. You will leave if, us a note. If the mission doesn't motivate yes. you, Christy will just suck up to you. <laughs> That's until just you make me. I will be the one that walks behind you. I will, you will get a free motivational voicemail from mm -hmm. me. Uh, but no, leave that note there in your donation that lets us know that you are a podcast listener. And who knows? You might get a shout out in the new year if we know that you're a podcast listener and you Absolutely. made your gift because of this. So thank you guys so much for listening. NewMemphis.org. Follow us everywhere at the New Memphis. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.